One of the things that the Lord is doing is um, we've, he's provided a new facility for us. So we're actually going to be moving into a new facility uh, here in just a little bit. And today I have some great, great news because I have the move-in date of when we're going to be leaving here the school and we're going to be going to the new place. Awesome. So our very first Sunday at our new venue is going to be August the 28th. We're excited about it. a little over a month. We are so excited. We just got part of the lettering and we're missing the logo. It's still yet to come in, but we put our letters up on the building. It's becoming real, people. We're excited. And that's because of uh, that's because of you guys, because of faithfulness of God and the faithfulness of God's people. And thank everyone that's a part of that. And it's exciting, exciting times. It's going to be great. I uh, it just, it's, it's like anticipate. If you are uh, out and about this week, come by and see us. Come by and hang out. The, uh, the address is there on your worship guide. But, uh, but yeah, come by and see us and uh, check it out. It's, it's, it's a pretty cool. Uh, it, it first started out, we ripped out so many walls, I thought we were in like a war zone. And then it's becoming more and more uh, put together. So it's going to be a great, great place to be able to, uh, to be able to hopefully see many, many lives touched and changed by the power of Jesus Christ. We're a church that we exist to share the hope and life of Jesus Christ. From the city to the hills, that means all people. It doesn't matter your background. doesn't matter where you came from or what your church experience. If, if you have been to church a thousand times or maybe this is your first time, we're so glad that you're here. And just know this, that Jesus has something special for you today. Now, regardless of where you are in your journey, I believe he's here. The Bible says where two or three are gathered, um, that he's here. So look around. He's here today. Um, we're more than two or three, and, and Jesus is in the house. Hey, if you have your message notes, we're going to get right into a new series um, that we are calling Pray First. Why don't you say that with me? Pray First. Pray First. Pray first. Um, awesome. First Thessalonians chapter 5 and verse 16 says, Rejoice always, pray continually, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. I want to say that again. Rejoice always, pray continually, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. The series we're starting is simply um, what, what we like to call the anthem of our church, that, 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 that the heartbeat, what's behind all of this is what we like to say, pray first. We have a part to play in the problems of our day. And that's simply what we read in 1 Thessalonians 5, to pray continually. To pray first. That's what I want to challenge us to do over the next two weeks, to pray first. That With everything in life, pray first. Before you get out of bed in the morning, just take a moment and pray first. Before your kids go off to school here in a couple weeks, just, just take a moment. And God, I just bless these kids. God, let your favor be upon them. Let them be leaders, not followers. Let them shine for you in Jesus' name. And just pray first. Before you, before you step into work tomorrow morning, before you get out of your car, just take a moment and say, God, just cover me today. God, let your hand be upon me. Let me make tons of money in Jesus' name. Amen, you know. Pray first, you know? What would your life look like if instead of worrying first, instead of fretting first, you prayed first? Well, what if you filled all of those spaces with prayer? Filled all those places with prayer? See, prayer is the foundation of, of, of what's happening around here. Before the church launched last August, we had 21 days of prayer. And it was just a very small group of people 
that were on, on a launch team and we would come together. Sometimes it was just two or three people or one or, or five or six. It was never very many, but we didn't know exactly what the church was going to look like. We didn't know everything that was gonna happen. We didn't know pretty much any of you, of you wonderful people and that, that have become City Hills and what God's doing among us. But, but we knew this, that we couldn't do what God had called us to do without prayer. We knew we couldn't do, unless the Lord would build the house, then we would all be laboring in vain, and we wanted to cover that with prayer. So before the church launch, we prayed. And at the beginning of this year, those of you that were part of the church, that we had 21 days of prayer and fasting. In August, we had prayer and feasting. In January, we had prayer and fasting, somebody. So what we want to do again, we want to, for 21 days, starting August the 7th, we're going to have 21 days of prayer. Seems like this time of the year is a time where we start getting back in rhythm. We start reassessing priorities. We start getting things back together after a crazy summer. And before this new season begins, we want to pray first. And God's been, God just coincided this whole thing where with the new facility and all those things. And, and honestly, we'd probably be ready to get in the facility before the 28th. But as we were talking with the team this week, we thought, you know what? It, it, unless the Lord builds the house, right? Unless God is with us, unless whenever we go in that place, the anointing and presence of God is there and lives are touched and changed, then what are we doing? So what we decided to do is we're not gonna have our first Sunday at the new building until we've spent three weeks covering that place in prayer. And we're gonna, if, if, whenever you come to that, whenever you come to the prayer meetings, we're, we're not even putting carpet down in the auditorium yet until we've had at least one week of prayer there because here's what I want you to do. I want us to take all the names of our lost loved ones and people that are in need and people that are sick and, and situations in our life that look impossible. And I want us to write them all over the floor. I want us just to cover that place with impossibility. And then we're going to see the, what, the all-sufficient God that can do anything and turn any heart around. We're going to see God work miracles and lives and healings and deliverances. And we're going to see our loved ones saved. We're going to see children that are wayward from the faith. We're going to see them brought back to Jesus Christ. We're going to see people's lives touched and changed in that place but it begins with prayer. So how do we pray, you know? That's what we're talking about. I'm hopefully preparing us for a new season and starting with prayer. So if we're gonna pray, how do we pray? You know, prayer's hard. Prayer's difficult. Well, I remember one of the first prayers I learned to pray was, now I lay me down to sleep. What a terrifying prayer as a child. I pray the Lord, you know, I pray the Lord my soul to keep, if I die, but no wonder I had so many nightmares as a kid because I'm thinking I'm about to die before I wake up in the morning, you know, what a terrible thing to put a, put a child through, right? And then we look around and, and man, we see people praying and we see it on the media and, and, and I got thinking, this is kind of how I've had seasons of my life where I felt like prayer was like this. Check it out. Greg? Would you like to say grace? Oh. Unless you have some objection. No, 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 I'd love to. Man. Said grace in many a dinner table. That's okay. Oh, dear God, thank you. You are such a good God to us, a, a kind and gentle and accommodating God. And we thank you, oh, sweet, sweet Lord of hosts, for the 
smorgasbord you have so aptly lain at our table this day and each day by day day by day by day oh dear lord three things we pray to love thee more dearly to see thee more clearly to follow thee more nearly day by day by day amen amen oh greg that was lovely thank you greg that was interesting too has anybody ever been there before you know like someone says you pray and i think day by day by day by day you know <laughs> you know prayer could be an awkward thing you know it's like I, I, what i love that so much because it's like his hands i don't know if you saw in the video he's like he didn't really know what to do with his hands you know, he's looking around, you know, he's sweating, uh, you know, he's trying to be poetic, you know, he's starting to rhyme, you know. Maybe if I rhyme, God will listen to me, right, you know. Well, have you ever wondered, how do you pray? Have you ever wondered, man, what do, pray, what do I do? I just, all I know kind of how to pray is it's, it's formalized, it sounds like a bedtime, like I don't know what to say, how do I pray? Well, if you've ever felt that way, I want you to know that you're not the first person to feel that way. That there are people that were the first followers of Jesus, that they had the exact same fears, the exact same feelings. They wanted to know, how do you pray? They wanted to know, what do you do with the problems of our day? Here's your first note that I want you to take today. Just simply this is that prayer should be our first response, not our last resort. Many times prayer in our life just becomes a last resort, something whenever everything else is done, then I should pray. And I want to challenge us that no, prayer needs to be a first response. To the trouble of our world, first response should be prayer. To the issues that we see, it seems like every time I turn on the news, there's another tragedy that's taken place. Seems like every time I turn on the news, there's another issue with cops and there's another issue with things going on. And, and it's so easy to get on Facebook and we, it seems like it's like an epidemic in our generation that we just are like a Facebook uh, cliche society where it's so easy to repost negative things about people and try to, and I want you to know that doesn't solve anything. I don't believe. I believe that God doesn't say, well, whenever you have problems in your day, here's what I want you to do. Go on a rampage on your social network and, and you know, tell everybody what you th no, he says, pray first. Second Chronicles chapter 7 says, When I shut up the heavens so that there's no rain or command locusts to devour the land, send a plague among the people. If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven, will forgive their sin, and will heal their land. God, help us when we see a tragedy, instead of going and, and talking about it, instead of spreading, why don't we just get to our knees and say, God, I'm praying right now for your will to be done. I'm praying right now for you to touch our nation. God says, if we'll do it, he'll respond. So how do we... How do we pray? Luke chapter 11, verse 1, it says, Jesus was praying in a certain place. And when he had finished, one of his disciples said, Lord, teach us how to pray. Teach us how to pray. And then Jesus begins to teach them how to pray. And here's what he says. 
It's called the Lord's Prayer. How many ever heard the Lord's Prayer before? I want to read it to you. It says, Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread. Forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. I grew up learning that prayer. Before we would go on the football field, whenever I was playing football, we would recite that prayer. And I would probably imagine that many people in this room know that prayer. But what I want to teach you about it today is simply this, that that prayer, I don't believe Jesus was trying to tell us, when you pray, just repeat this prayer after me. I don't think Jesus was trying to say, hey, when you pray, if you will say this one thing, that is how you should pray. What Jesus was trying to do is teach them how to pray. He was trying to show them this is the way that you interact with God. If you want to have a meaningful time of prayer, Jesus says, here is what, here's how I want you to pray. Here's how I was praying. As a matter of fact, the disciples, these people, they grew up Jewish. So therefore, they knew all kinds of prayers. But I believe they were looking at Jesus and they were seeing the intensity and the power that he was praying with. And they weren't saying, just teach us another prayer, Jesus. They were saying, hey, we want to do what you're doing. We want to pray the way you're praying. I dedicate this message to somebody in the room that you may feel like your prayers never reach the ceiling. And you feel like your prayer times is, is just, they're boring, it's over. I, I want to dedicate this to you and to let you know that I believe that through God's power and through walking through what Jesus taught us how to pray, that if you apply this, you're going to have the most incredible time of prayer that you ever had before. I want to challenge you to take this simple outline that Jesus gave us. And this is, today's going to be just very much just teaching. And I just want to walk you through this simple outline. And the challenge is this. Go to your place of prayer tomorrow. And I want you to pray these seven topics. Just like Jesus taught us to. And get ready to have one of the most meaningful prayer times of your life. Let's get started. Here's the first part of that Jesus said. Jesus said, when you pray... You ready? He said, when you pray, here's how I want you to start. Start by saying, our Father that is in heaven. Here's the first aspect to Jesus' prayer, and he teaches us how to pray, is that, first of all, we need to connect with God relationally. In other words, don't just connect with God formally. Oh, Lord God, we praiseth thee. And that, you know, (laughs) day by day by day by day, you know. That's... That kind of prayer where we say, well, you know, God, you're kind of in the distance or you're a judge and I'm bringing my case to you. Jesus says, when you pray, I want you to connect to God as your dad. I'm a dad. I have two small boys, a four-year-old and a two-year-old. And I love it when they just jump up in my lap and just say, dad, you know, daddy. My, my two-year-old, he's always said, Daddy. You know, he's, he just got to where he's really starting to communicate. He said, Daddy. And now, it's like uh, last week he's changed to just saying, instead of saying, Daddy, he says, Dad. I'm like, what happened to the Daddy? Come on, you know. Who's your Daddy? No, it's not who's your Dad. <laughs> but I love it. You know, God could have represented himself to us as anything. But of all the things, he said, Hey, I want to be your Dad. And so I started calling God dad when I pray. 
When I wake up in the morning, I say, good morning, Dad. I need you today. Would you give me strength for this day? Thank you that you can, I can call you Dad. Now, I don't know how, what kind of relationship you had with your earthly dad. This was probably the greatest risk God ever took. Because that's one of the hardest relationships for many of us. But of all the things God says, I want you to know, even though maybe your earthly father wasn't perfect, he says, I'm a perfect father that loves you, that cares about you, that created you, that wants the best for you. When you come before me, don't come before me like you're coming before a cop that's got his blue lights on, you know, and trying, no, just, just hop up in my lap every morning and say, hey, dad, I'm kind of dealing with some stuff today. Or, hey, dad, give me strength today. Or, hey, dad, I love you, I love you, I love you. Connect with God relationally. Romans chapter 8, verse 15 says, We've not received a spirit that makes us fearful slaves. If you have a fearful attitude toward God, I want to tell you that's not God's spirit. That's not what God wants us to have. That's not the idea where we're just terrified of God and we don't want to say anything to Him. He says, No, we've received God's spirit when He adopted you as His own children. Now we call Him Abba, Father, or which was a Greek word of simply saying Daddy. The second thing that he said, he said, first of all, come to me, connect with me relationally. Come to me, say, morning, Dad. I love you, Dad. Second thing he said, I want you to worship his name. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. In other words, before you do anything else, whenever you come to me in, in prayer, I want you to just begin to worship who I am. I want you to begin to worship my name. Proverbs chapter 18 verses 10 says, God's name is a place of protection. The righteous can run there and be safe. The King James, like I learned it as a kid, says the name of the Lord is a strong tower. The righteous run into it and are safe. I want you to know that your impossibility is not impossible to him. That your situation is not too far gone for his name. The bills may be too big for your name, but I want to tell you they're not too big for his name. The sickness, cancer may be too big for your name, but if you'll take it to his name, his name is greater than cancer. His name is greater than inability. His name is greater than insecurity. His name is the great name. And he says, I want you to come to me. I want you to get a right perspective of who I am. I'm a great God. You're not just coming to me like you're coming to a buddy with some advice. I'm the God that made the universe. Come to me and I can do the impossible in your life. Hallowed be your name. The Old Testament reveals, it's like every time God would reveal a new characteristic of who he was to people, he would give them kind of like a new nickname of who he was. And I want to share some with, some of them are kind of funny, the, the, the pronunciations in Hebrew. But I want to tell you, I want to show you what the translation is of that. And, 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 and maybe you could write some of these down. Tomorrow I'm going to give you a 21 day of, I mean, next Sunday I'm going to give you a 21 days of prayer book that has all this in it. Because as we pray for 21 days, I think this is a great template that you can use for that. Here's, here's, here's one of them. Jehovah Sitkanu, which simply means Jeho God is my righteousness. In other words, if you ever make a mistake, and I think we all have or we all will, we all are, we, like we will make mistakes. And Jehovah Sitkanu simply says that God is my righteousness. God's the one that makes me righteous. When you, when you worship, when you pray tomorrow morning, why don't you call out to God my sanctifier? In the Hebrew, it's Imkadesh, which simply means that God has set me apart. That God has set me apart for a purpose. God, thank you that you created me for a purpose. Thank you that my days are not going to be wasted. Thank you that you are my sanctifier. The next name is Jehovah Rapha, which simply means my healer. 
God, thank you that you are the healer. You're Jehovah Rapha. God, you're the one that doesn't matter how bad the sickness is. You're our healer, and we thank you for it. You're the healer of all our diseases. By your stripes, we are healed, God. Worship Jehovah Nisi. Jehovah Nisi simply means my banner of victory. God, thank you. You've defeated every enemy in my life. Thank you, God. You're in charge. You're, you're bigger than my problem. You're my banner of victory. Do you know that? That God wants you to walk not defeated lives, but lives of victory, lives of strength. God says, but I want you every day to come to me and say, you're the victory. See, the victory is not just natural. The victory is in the spiritual. It's got to happen there before it happens natural. And God says every day, I want you to remind, I want you to remind yourself who I am and just worship me. Jehovah Ra, which simply means my shepherd. You lead me. You speak to me. I'm not alone. I'm not by myself. You're leading me. Jehovah Shalom, which means you are my peace. Thank you for peace in the middle of a troubled storm. Maybe somebody here's here today and there's a troubled, there's a troubling in your life, or there's a storm in your life, or a storm on the horizon. I want you to know that Jehovah Shalom is in this place, the one that can bring peace to the storm of your life. And then Jehovah Jireh, which means my provider. You're my provider, God. Don't you love this? This is you can just feel it as we even talk about it here today. You can kind of feel. It's like we're entering into God's presence because whenever we realize, God, you're my dad and I just worship you for who you are, you can just kind of feel it. God's here. Why? Because that's, that's what he said. He said, when you pray, I want you to pray like this. Don't just dump on me all the needs in your life. There's nothing wrong with that. And we're going to learn that's part of this process. But he says, I want you to come and first of all, get a right perspective of who I am. It'll change the way you pray. I promise you. Here's the second. Here's the third thing. He says, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Number three is pray his agenda first. God says, I don't want, you, I don't want to just be dumped on. That's not, there's no healthy relationship in the world like that. There's no person that you're close to that they only call you whenever they're going through a problem. That's a very unhealthy relationship. What if you only talked with your spouse whenever there were problems? You probably wouldn't be married very long because... It's, there's, you need to talk whenever you're not, you know, so, that may be a word for somebody here today. Talk to somebody. <laughs> but any healthy relationship says, hey, I'm going to put your need ahead of my need. God says, before you talk to me about what you need, he says, why don't you pray this? Your kingdom come, your will be done. So put God's, need, God's desire ahead of your desire. And simply, what is that? What does it mean to pray God's kingdom come and his will be done? If I could... Just take it as simple as possible and just make it one word. It would simply be this, others. I think the thing that God cares about the most is others. People that are lost. People that are broken. I was praying this morning, walking early this morning. I thought, God, there are people today that they do not know how they're going to get a bite to eat. God, would you touch those people today? Lord, there there are widows that they just lost their husband yesterday. And they're waking up to a day of fear. All over the world, there's been moms that have lost sons yesterday. And they're waking up. They're, they're about to wake up here in a few hours to impossibility and fear. God, would you just be there in that moment? You know, what is that? That's praying God's kingdom to come. 
God's will be done in earth as it is in heaven. God, touch, the, touch people in my life that need you. Touch the lost, people that need to come to Jesus. Touch my coworkers. That's one of the things I love about City Hills is every Sunday we, we pick out another church, a church in our city and we pray for their needs. We pray for their pastor. We lift them up. Why, what is that? I believe that's a picture of saying, God, your kingdom come in our city. Not just about us, not just about City Hills Church, God, but all throughout our city. Let your kingdom come and your will be done. That's why we do that. Matthew chapter 6, verse 33 says, Seek his kingdom first, and his righteousness and all these things will be added to you as well, or given to you as well. In other words, pray for others before you pray for yourself. It's powerful. Then the next thing he said, he, he said, uh, he said, God, give us this day our daily bread. Give us this day our daily bread. In other words, he began to deal with, I got some needs today, God. Help me today. Here's the fourth aspect of the prayer that Jesus taught us to pray is simply this. Depend on him for everything. Give us this day our daily bread. Pray for your needs every day. You know, I carry a lot of my own needs a lot longer than I should. I let them weigh me down a lot longer than I should. Instead of realizing that the weight of the world cannot be carried on these two shoulders right here. It cannot be carried. Because it, weigh, it will weigh me down so fast. My wife can see it on my face. Says, what's going on today? You know, I'm trying to hide it. I'm trying to be strong. What's going on today? And then I realize, you know what? I'm carrying things that I should not be carrying. You know, maybe you're here today and you're carrying some things on your shoulders that you are not called to carry. You need to take it. That's why we're here today. We're not here because we're perfect. We're here because God's perfect. And whenever we, in just a moment, when this, when this service is over, whenever this message is over and we go back into worship, I just want you to take those things off of your shoulders. And maybe you need to even come down the front and just drop it at his feet. You know, I have to do that sometimes. I grew up, my grandmother used to pray, have prayer meetings. She's just a prayer warrior. And, and I remember one time as a kid, that, that there were ladies kind of praying all over the all over the all over the house, and they were just they were. I it scared me to death as a kid. I'll be honest. And they're just praying and hooping and hollering and, and all this stuff. And then and then my grand, I believe it was my grandma. I know it was one of the ladies. My grandma always kept. There was always a broom there, and they opened the front door and started started brooming out the like they were brooming out dust. They said, "Devil, get out of this house right now!" You know. <laughs> You know, sometimes you just gotta you just gotta tell the devil to get out of your house. You know, sometimes you just have to say, God, I need you. God, I, I need you to help me today. I can't carry this. I got to give it to you. I can't live a day without you, God. Psalm chapter one twenty one verse one. It's there in your notes. It says, "I look up to the mountains. The mountains represented like the seat of government. This is kind of like the 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 Capitol Hill, I guess you will, of the day." He said, "I look up to the mountains. Does my help come from there?" And he answers his own question. He says, no, my help comes from the Lord who made heaven and earth. In other words, God, you're my source. God, you're my source of peace. It's not anybody else. It's only you. The next aspect of the prayer is, is forgive us our debts as we forget our debtors. This is kind of a two-part. This is kind of a two-part in this prayer. It has to deal with two different, two different people. First of all, so, so I just de define it like this. Get your heart right with God and people. Every day. Get your heart right with God and people. So you follow in the prayer. First of all, our Father, I'm going to connect with you relationally. God, 
you're my dad. Thank you that I'm not just coming to a judge today. I'm not just coming to someone in the distance, but you're my dad. And I'm just going to hop up in your lap and say, I love you today. Help me today. Secondly, I worship you. You're so awesome. I hallowed be your name. God, you're greater than anything. You're my provider. You're my healer. And then the next aspect of the prayer was, 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 was God, I pray your kingdom would come. Touch my coworkers. Touch our city. Bless other churches. God, let churches be planted. God, I pray for you that you would bless my husband and my bless God. And then now, then I begin to pray for my own needs. God, I pray that you would provide for us financially. God, I pray that you would touch this depression I'm walking through. God, I pray. And, and then after that, start getting your heart right with God. Say, 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 God, man, if there's anything in me, put the searchlight on me, God. Anything that's not like you. God, help me not to become desensitized to sin. It's easy in our day and age to just become desensitized to sin. He says, no, 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 make sure your heart is right. Search my heart, God. I repent. I'm sorry. And then he said, don't just get your heart right between you and God. Get your heart right between you and people. In other words, if you have people that you're harboring bitterness against, every day, just let them, let them go. Every day, forgive them. You know what? Some people, it takes a long time to forgive. Sometimes that just keeps coming back in your mind. Every morning, you just that same bitter. Just keep on saying, I, I forgive them. There's been seasons in my life where I say, God, by faith, I forgive them. I don't feel like forgiving them, but God, you forgave me, and now I forgive them. Get your heart right with people. Forgive others. Don't, don't let bitterness destroy your life. Don't let bitterness destroy your life. 1 John 1, 9 says, if we confess our sins... He's faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. Then he says, and do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. The, the best translation of that is a little bit different than, than, than what you see. Because simply this, God does not lead us into temptation. We understand that. God is not leading anyone to temptation. But what, what Jesus is telling us it's simply this. It's simply that there's going to be opportunities today for me to walk into temptation. God, give me strength not to do it. Do you know that? That you have an enemy in your life that is trying to get you to fall into traps? And here's the sixth part that Jesus teaches us. And we need to every day engage in spiritual warfare. Every day. Spiritual warfare. So people say, well, that's kind of spooky. I don't know if that's even real. That sounds really strange. It sounds like science fiction. I want you to know, if you're not fighting the devil every day, then he's working harder than you. But this is a very real, real thing. Ephesians chapter 6, verse 12 says, For our struggle is not against flesh and blood. So in other words, you're not fighting with your boss. You're not fighting with your, fighting with your spouse. You're not fighting with the issues in this world. You're fighting against rulers, against authorities, against powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. So if that exists and I believe it does, then we need to fight the devil every day with prayer. <laughs> we need to fight the, day, the devil every day. Say, Satan, you're not going to touch my marriage. Satan, you're not going to touch my family. In the name of Jesus, I bind you. And I'm going to teach you over the next couple weeks about what warfare prayer looks like and how to take authority, the authority of Jesus Christ over the problems of your day. And we're, we're going to take that authority. But simply this, that every day you need to say, God, give me the strength to be able to fight against the devil. Let me not go backwards. Let me go forward with God. 
And then last and finally, the seventh part of this prayer is, for yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Every day you pray, end by expressing faith in God's ability. Express faith in God's ability. God, I thank you. God, I just worship you. Thank you. Yours is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever. God, I know it's, nothing's going to happen just because I pray, but God, it's all you. This whole thing is you. The whole process is you, and I trust you. I give you my life. I give you my trust. I give you my all today, God. I come before you and ask for your strength. Use prayers like this, Jeremiah chapter 32, verse 17. It's right there in your notes. It says, all sovereign Lord, you've made the heavens and the earth by your great power and outstretched arm, and nothing is too hard for you. I love that. Or this one isn't in your notes, but Revelation chapter 5, verse 13. I'm going to take some extra notes. Simply says, to him who sits on the throne. And to the Lamb be praise and honor and glory and power forever and ever. Every head bowed, every eye closed. Father, thank you for your word. Lord, prayer is is not the easiest thing for the most of us in this house. It's not easy for me. Lord, it's so easy to get distracted by the problems of the day. God, but teach us to pray. God, I pray for somebody in this place that You're tugging on their heart to take a step of faith closer to you. Not just a Sunday morning Christian, but to be a prayer warrior. To be an intercessor, someone who stands in the gap for others and prays. God, let us, as we prepare our hearts for this next season of the church. Lord, you provided a new venue for us to go worship in, God. and We're about to embark on 21 days of prayer. God, would you teach us to pray? Would you make us more like you in Jesus' name?